This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, November 11th. I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, town faces rent pricing decisions at Voodoo, a day in the life of a miner with Vinton Cole and Bella Eatman, bike rodeo looks to buck unsafe riding habits, and a mountain weather forecast. Discussion of the Voodoo Affordable Housing Project at last week's Telluride Housing Authority meeting was down in the dumps. That is, quite literally, as town heard an update on site preparation work that focused on sewer line relocations. This week, the excitement of advancing construction and demolition work was set aside to begin the complex process of pricing the units. Director of Projects for Telluride, Lance McDonald, says that the units at the project which is located in the heart of downtown on East Pacific Avenue, could be more expensive than recent affordable housing projects. And this will be all uh, reviewed by this committee and recommended to town council as to where these numbers actually end up. We're um, assuming that the AMI targets for the project will be higher than what we have done in recent past projects. AMI stands for Area Median Income. This is the midpoint of family incomes in any given area, so about half of families earn more and half earn less. A family earning 100% of the Telluride AMI is right in the middle of earners, and a family earning 50% of AMI will be earning half as much. Measuring AMI is a helpful tool for setting an affordable rent in a municipality. McDonald says that town's affordable housing projects have different rents and thus target different levels of wealth, or AMIs. Shandoka was 68 to about 82 percent approximately across different unit types on the AMI. And the Virginia Placer apartments, you know, originally started at 90 or 95, but they're now in the in the 80s. But the idea is to catch those back up. The boarding house was at 47 to 58 percent because it's kind of a unique um, you're not really having your own dwelling unit. So I don't know if that's apples to apples. The more town charges for rent at Voodoo, the more money town will have, and the easier it will be to fund future housing projects. Mayor Delaney Young lays out the question facing the subcommittee as they decide how expensive rent at Voodoo will be. Do we want to keep the AMIs where they are, which could could help us get more units built in the not-too-distant future? Do we want more units, ultimately? Or do we want to get this as affordable as possible with the idea that we may have to delay future projects? That's a very big question. Subcommittee member Geneva Shawnette says she is in favor of making voodoo more expensive. Tier 1 units have the lowest rents and target an area's lowest AMIs. Shawnette says with town finances as they are, it would be easier to avoid those Tier 1 units at voodoo. I mean, I think people all over are going to, of all ranges of income, are going to apply for it regardless, even if it's expensive, expensive, which is all relative, because of just a lack of inventory. But I think that um, I am not in a position where I am feeling strongly that we need to have uh, significant or even any tier one units in here. I know that might not be popular. Council member Dan Enright is more conflicted. The recent lottery for units in the Sunnyside development saw most applications from the lower income range, which indicates that town needs to provide more affordable housing. I'm pretty torn on it, um, largely based off of the applications for Sunnyside. Absolutely. The vast majority are still that tier one. And that to me is a demonstration that that's where the need is still. 
Enright said one possible solution is to make voodoo units more expensive and then offer them to families in Shandoka that are making more money and are ready for an upgrade. Then, the more affordable Shandoka units could accept the area's needier residents. Relocating families, however, is delicate, Enright says. THA stresses that no one will be quote-unquote kicked out of their housing. I'm potentially open to the idea of having this be tier two and then enforce harder in Shandoka and other properties to try and move people and create a system of transference. I'm certainly heavily opposed to kicking people out on the street. There's none, none of us are proposing that. No. THA concludes that all units will be rental with none for sale, but how high those rents will be is yet to be determined. AMI targeting in voodoo pricing will be taken up by the entire town council at next week's meeting. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. High school sports are wrapped up until after Thanksgiving. With a lull in athletics and this installment of a day in the life of a minor, Telluride High School's Fenton Cole turns towards the academic. And new this week, KOTO's Julia Caulfield speaks with Telluride High School's Becca Eatman about a new segment, Looking at Art. This is Fenton Cole on your day in the life of a minor update. Telluride High School is currently looking for paraprofessionals to the 2023-24 school year. And I'm here with Miss Danita Strand for coverage. Miss Danita, how long have you been a para at Telluride High School? Um, I've been a para at, t- at the high school. This is my second year at the high school, but I was at TIS for about five years before that. Where did you go to college? Uh, I went to college in South Dakota at Augustana University. When did you move to Colorado? We moved here back in 2007. What do you like about being a paraprofessional? That's a good question, Fenton. Um, I think probably the favorite thing that I like about being a para is coming in and helping students um, to just be the best that they can be and help them to succeed. I like working with different students and then also helping teachers so that they can also help those students to just be able to reach their potential. Who's your favorite NFL team? Well, I'm from Minnesota, so I definitely have to say the Minnesota Vikings. (laughs) Who's your favorite player on the Minnesota Vikings? Um, Well, I'm trying to think the quarterback, Kirk Cousins. I'm not so good with the names as good as you are, Fenton, but I've heard he's been doing really well this year. But I will, can I put a quick shout out to my high school football team is in the state finals, um, the semifinals. They're going to be going next week to the U.S. Bank Stadium where the Vikings do play. So the Watertown Mayor Royals, hopefully they can win state. We'll find out next week. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Danita, for taking the time to chat with us. I'm Fenton Cole reporting live from Teller High School, and we'll see you next week. I am here with Bella. This is your first time on CODA. We're going to be talking about your new segment that you have coming up for the radio station. First off, can you just kind of introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about who you are? Good evening. My name is Bella Eatman. I am in 10th grade, and this CODA segment will be about art. I will go over multiple, go to multiple art galleries to... I guess uh, examine a bunch of art pieces and see which one intrigues me the most so that I can go back here 
um, describe said art to you, and if we're lucky, maybe even interview some of our local artists. What is it that you like about art and that draws you uh, to this subject? I've always been an artist from like, you know, you know, all preschoolers have have been drawing since they were little kids, but I guess I've just really, that, that was just my ta- talent. But oftentimes I would look at fan art in my free time and that would excite me because of how talented some certain people are, but then sometimes they don't get the attention that they deserve for multiple reasons at a time. But I, but I don't know. I guess gallery art might not be so, uh, so different from that. When it comes to creating art, it's basically a huge part of who I am. I draw, therefore I am. You kind of just touched on this a little bit, but what is the kind of art or the mediums of art that you really enjoy the most? Um... I, I like to uh, to listen to music and I li- and I like a lot of different kinds of visual art so it's difficult for me to answer this question but I guess if it's something that it relates to a certain topic or show or really anything that I'm passionate about then I I, I don't I don't know it, it, I, that's kind of what I get excited over so once again fan art when you see a piece of artwork that you really like or that really speaks to you, what is the first thing or one of the first things that you notice about that piece? I'll be honest, probably probably just the concept. Oftentimes when I'm looking at fan art, I I kind of look at it and see what kind of ideas this person has. For example, someone could have a certain headcanon about it and they make certain sketches about said character with this certain headcanon. And I would think uh, think about it and see if it's plausible in my head. And then it gets me excited when it's like, yes, <laughs> that, that it can be possible. Bella, thank you so much for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. And we're really excited to have your new segment on Kodo. <laughs> thank you for have, having me here, ma'am. The rodeo is not usually synonymous with safety, but coming to Telluride this weekend is a different sort of rodeo, a bike rodeo, and it's not town's first. The event is a revival of a tradition that faded out some 10 years ago. Lindsay Dickinson of the Telluride Elks Lodge, which is co-sponsoring the event, says different courses and obstacles will help teach kids about road safety. That are going to basically be putting up cone courses and broken into levels of strider, uh, regular pedal, and then micro-mobility. And you receive um, stickers for completions for the kids. So the more you do, the greater learning transfer opportunity you have. Um, and then hopefully we will be able to get more children having safer decisions as we get into the winter driving. Uh, I know some bikes will go away, but not all of them. Dickinson says that the rodeo will be a fun and challenging way for young bikers, one-wheelers, scooterers, and other riders to brush up on road safety. Our children are still learning cause and effect even until, you know, they start being teens. So the more experiences we can get them into executive functioning of problem solving, looking around, seeing awareness, then I think we're going to be having them make better decisions in the sports that they play and where they navigate through town. 
Um, as we get busier with our tourist season, we're going to see a lot more traffic. A partnership between the Marshalls Department, the Elks, the Town of Telluride, the Fire Department, the Med Center, and other local organizations, Dickinson says they are already planning to run the event again in the spring. But we are going to be actually running this as an annual event every spring. We have not dialed in the date, but with all of the partners that we have and um, other locals that have already just expressed, hey, I'm a bystander and I want to get involved, um, we are going to be doing a bigger one in the spring. The rodeo kicks off this Sunday morning at Telluride High School parking lot and is open to all. Dickinson says participating is easy. Super simple. Show up at 945 with a bike and a helmet. Um, we do have some loaner helmets if you do not have one. And come weather ready. And we will sign you up before you get going on the course. For those who prefer something of a different speed, there will be coffee and donuts provided. Three days after polls closed, the race for Colorado's 3rd Congressional District is still too close to call. While Republican incumbent Lauren Boebert had trailed Democratic challenger Adam Frisch for most of the count, she has recently pulled ahead, and at press time was up by roughly 1,000 votes, with 98% of ballots counted. But there are still votes to be processed. The deadline for military and overseas ballots isn't until November 16th, and a recount will be automatically triggered if the final difference comes within about 750 votes. Boebert was widely expected to win re-election easily. The outcome of the race could impact the balance of power in the U.S. House of Representatives. In other uncalled Colorado election results, the newly drawn 8th Congressional District has Democrat Yadira Caraveo holding onto a very slim lead over Republican Barbara Kirkmeyer. In ballot measures, Proposition 122 to legalize the regulated use of natural psychedelic drugs appears poised to pass by a very slim margin. The creation of an affordable housing fund and an associated tax increase is also likely to squeak by. The results have yet to be declared final. What to do with a windfall of cash, a landslide of funds, an avalanche of money? Perhaps put it towards outdoor safety. The Peter Inglis Avalanche Education Fund is offering scholarships to community members who would like to take a course in avalanche safety training. An initiative of the Telluride Mountain Club in partnership with Auberge Resorts, the scholarships will cover the cost of a Level 1 or Level 2 avalanche safety training. Avalanche courses are tailored towards backcountry recreators who want to know more about avalanche conditions, safety, prevention, and rescue. For anyone interested in safely heading into the backcountry, scholarship applications are open now until December 16th and can be found at TellurideMountainClub.org. A new poll looks at how Colorado Latinos voted in last week's midterm elections. As KUNC's Lucas Brady Woods reports, they voted overwhelmingly for Democrats. The poll was put together by the Colorado Latino Policy Agenda, and it surveyed Latino voters in the weeks ahead of Election Day. Two-thirds of them voted for or were planning to vote for Democrats. But Gabe Sanchez, one of the poll's organizers, says the findings also show Latinos are not beholden to party lines. Latinos were mobilized by the issues they care about and to make positive change in their communities, more so than party loyalty. 
Concerns about the economy and public safety were top of mind for Latino voters going into the election. But the polling shows they trust Democrats to address those issues over Republicans. The majority of Latino voters also supported key ballot measures. About 80 percent voted for Proposition 123, which dedicates funding for affordable housing. As of Friday, Prop 123 was still too close to call. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Denver. Today, November 11th, is Veterans Day, a federal holiday set aside to honor military veterans of the U.S. Armed Forces. Many combat veterans still struggle with the trauma of their war experiences. There's a large sculpture project taking shape in Boulder County that is helping veterans heal through art. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KGNU's Sam Fuca reports. That's it. Nail it. Yeah, put it right in there. That's it. Sculptor Robert Bellows is in his yard, cheering on a newcomer who's learning how to pound out a metal feather on an anvil. This is eighth-inch steel we're making a uh, tail feather out of, and there will be, hmm, gosh, probably a 1,000 or 1,500 of these feathers on there. It's going to be a lot of feathers. The feathers will be welded onto a metal phoenix that's rising almost 20 feet up here next to the anvil. The phoenix is facing an equally large metal dragon standing a few feet away with wings spread wide. This is the Warrior Storyfield Project. Veteran Bob Lacey describes the scene. What we have is really three sculptures. One is a dragon, which is the war narrative, the war experience, and a phoenix bird, uh, which is the transformation. And then the space in between is really the most important part. Lacey was a combat medic with the 4th Infantry in the Vietnam War. To him, that space between the dragon and the phoenix represents a difficult decision veterans have to make when they return home. There's a choice to be made there, and the choice is, do I continue to let the war narrative control my life, or do I take the risk to move towards the transformation and the unknown? Lacey says it took him over 40 years to come to terms with that choice. I think one of the things that is most difficult for people to understand, even the veteran and the families, is that war changes us. And when we come home, the person who went to war is not the person who comes home. That person is gone. And understanding that fundamental change is the most difficult part for the veteran and the society. Artist Robert Bellows is about the same age as Bob Lacey, but he did not serve in Vietnam. The draft system at the time was a lottery, and those with low numbers were drafted first. Bellows got a high number. And at that time, I kind of just shut myself off from anything to do with war. It was kind of like, you know, phew, I'm, I don't have to do that. And like so many civilians, I no longer paid attention to uh, those who went to fight. And there's a certain embarrassment in, in that. Thirty years later, a couple of Vietnam vets came to Bellow's metal shop and asked him if they could help him with a sculpture he was working on at the time. That collaboration eventually led to this project. They've been at it almost a decade, 
working outside Bellows' home in rural Boulder County. He estimates that 50 or 60 people, veterans and non-veterans, have contributed serious volunteer time to the project. There's a core group of eight or nine, including Bob Lacey, and Andy Morris, another Vietnam vet and a retired military officer. So I still don't think I'm an artist, but uh, I have fun poking fun at Robert and saying, you know, is this, is this feather exactly the way you want it to be bent? Morris and his son built an eight-foot forge on the property to help craft some of the largest metal feathers. It's a place I can work with my hands, which I find very soothing, if that's the word for it. I just think it's wonderful. I wish we could find a place to put it when it's all done. God knows when that'll be. Sculptor Robert Bellows estimates it'll take another three to five years to finish the sculptures. Then they hope to place them in a large park somewhere so that it can become a peaceful community gathering place and a place that can help veterans heal. Bob Lacey. My hope is that the story field will save other veterans 20 or 30 years of struggle and pain in in trying to heal from their experience of war. Uh, And if that happens, I I will feel like we have and I I have uh, done a great service. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Sam Fuqua in Boulder County. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 15 degrees. Saturday will be mostly sunny with a high near 40, and Saturday night will be partly cloudy with a low near 20 degrees. Sunday, expect partly sunny skies and a high in the mid-30s. There's a 40% chance of snow on Sunday night with a low near 15 degrees. This has been the news for Friday, November 11th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. How well everybody's heard about the bird. Ladies and gentlemen of San Miguel County, it is inexplicably, yet absolutely, that time of year. It is time for Turkey Bingo at the Telluride Elks Lodge. We know you don't want FOMO, so come on down to the Elks Lodge, November 19th and 20th. On the 19th, we'll have kids bingo from 3 to 5 p.m. We'll have two rounds of adult bingo, one at 6.30 and one at 8.30. We are not letting into the lodge till 6 o'clock, and please, no large backpacks or purses will be allowed in. Leave all your goodies at home. We've got goodies in the lodge. Then on Sunday morning, we'll have the kinder, gentler bingo brunch. Brunch starts at 11 a.m., bingo starts at noon, and we are playing until all the turkeys are gone. Brunch will be $15 per person or $5 for kids 10 and under. Games will be $25 for 15 games, and we'll play one round of 15 at each of the events, except at the 8.30. We're going to go a little, little less this time. The 8.30 round on Saturday will be $20 for 10 games. Coming out... Bring your friends, bring your family. We're going to have a great time, and we're going to win some turkeys. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. 
You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Kodo. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.